Exactly. They're a really strange shape, aren't they? Mm. And they don't, even, they don't, they just fall out of my ear. Yeah. They're yeah. made for giant Californians. Atrocious things. <clears throat> Redwood-sized human. <laughs> An oral I'm, sequoia. I'm more of a withered bonsai. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so how how are you? Um, I am. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah it's busy. been a, a reasonably quiet day. I've been doing a little bit of work, um, a bit of prep for tonight, uh, and a little bit of pottering, a little bit of pottering around the house, and that's yeah. about it. Uh, we've had um, Kitty at home because the because um, she's got a temperature and stuff. The childminder won't take her, so. I've been uh, doing two hours on, two hours off of childcare yeah. and work, <laughs> and, then I, and then I had to walk, walk the dog, um, walk the dogs with her, and uh, it just it, it it turned to disaster. Yes, and, and my phone went flying, and um, yeah, landed face down in a puddle um, and smashed. But it was the I put some kind of weird glass cover on it. Because oh, okay. uh, I'm paranoid because I've broken about three in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, it doesn't make your phone look very nice. But actually, do you know what? It worked. It shattered, and the glass underneath was perfectly fine. That's all you need, isn't it? Mm. How are uh, How are Ralph and Bingo? You know, just chilling. Yeah. I'm hoping for, they can probably smell pork pie, which is why they're in here. <laughs> I tend to see more photographs of Ralph on uh, Instagram than Bingo these days. Is, is Bingo a little more reticent and? Uh, basket bound <clears throat> yeah he is yeah he's getting really old and deaf and stubborn um and uh yeah i have to um yeah i have to be really wary of him with uh with the little one because yeah. he uh yeah he doesn't like her at all <laughs> <laughs> bless him bless her i don't know who to feel sorry yeah. for that. well she um yeah she loves him so um she's constantly yeah. trying to get in his basket with him which he does not like one little bit <laughs> So yeah, whereas Ralph just takes it, you know, he just she she just pummels him, yeah, um, and he's absolutely fine with her. But I still don't trust either of them. No, it must be tricky. Yeah, well, it's just full on. That's all. Yeah. <clears throat> so how's how's your week been? Um, uh, are, are we going to start the podcast now? Should I say? Do you want to say welcome? I did it last uh, week. You? Uh, yes, let's. <laughs> I did like the raucousness of last week's intro. <laughs> Uh, well, I like but, fading it through a half a conversation. I think it sounds uh, nice, like you're just dropping in on a two fantastic. people chatting, which is what we wanted it to be, wasn't yeah. it? It's definitely, uh, you know, if you're listening to this show, which is uh, it still blows my mind, but yeah, um, it's not a didactic show. We're not telling you how to do stuff or what you should be doing. We're just exploring our own muddled, befuddled, I'm speaking for myself here, Rob, Thank but, you. Um, uh, lives of, uh, you know work and life and all that kind of stuff so yeah. but if you are listening uh, welcome to episode three of north versus south north v south if you've made it this far well done and um what's on tonight's schedule john well i thought we'd um kick off by just seeing what we've both been up to in a working week and um and maybe other things that have been going on um and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh things that we use every day that aren't necessarily technology because we tend to especially listening to a lot of shows like this we tend to fixate on technology and gadgets and you know all those kind of things and i just thought it'd be nice to talk about other stuff you know that you might use might be a coffee cup it might be a stuffed owl that you talk to for inspiration but um, yeah, and then we're going to talk a bit about, um, well, 
gravitational waves because I have no idea what all this news stuff is about. And I don't even think the newsreaders have much idea what they're saying. Very exciting. (laughs) So, yes, I can't wait to hear about that. Um, And then we're going to talk about the old chestnut procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) If we get round to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot, there's plenty of other things I'd rather do in, instead of that. So, um, <laughs> and then and then we're going to talk about a couple of things that we're going to regularly do um, if we get round to it. Um, and then we're going to do our um, our classic pie review. <laughs> classic. <laughs> yeah. Well, through the third time, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I like that the, the people might just be tuning in just to listen to the pie review. Pie well, connoisseurs probably cursing us over um, there hot water crust pastry well we've always we've already had our first complaint um we have on twitter today about uh, the sounds of us masticating on live online <laughs> well pronounced <laughs> so um yeah we'll try we'll, we will move away from the microphone well it's um, difficult you know yeah. i think you know we want to want our listeners to appreciate the efforts we're going to exactly i think that includes chewing so, what's your week been up to? Are you, what are you working at, on at the moment? I, I've got a couple of commissions on, which are both kind of my landscape, city scene uh, illustrations. And I've got one piece of client work on, which is a watercolour for a museum. And that's it this week. And I've been helping my wife, who's a wedding florist, uh, get things ready for a big wedding this weekend. So it's been a bit of a mixed weekend, not too stressful, uh, certainly not busy. Yeah, but I'm enjoying the uh, getting back into the illustration because it's been... My Christmas break seems to have lasted through to mid-February. <laughs> um, we had lots of relatives over at Christmas from Australia. They were here for six weeks and it just kind of, we went away to Germany and it kind of disrupts the whole kind of rhythm of things. So it's, it's taken me a while to get back into the, the kind of flow of working, particularly when you're at home, I think. Um, kind of discipline of sitting down at nine o'clock and working through till five just is very difficult for me to to grasp. So it's uh, you know I'm getting there. What about you? How's your week been? Uh, yeah, pretty busy. Um, I've got I've got a few websites on at the moment. Um, I, t- I talk like I do websites all the time, but mainly I do print. Um, or well, when I say print, uh, I do I do an agency sort of bracket of services so basically just servicing people with whatever they need and graphic related stuff um so websites tend to come along a bit like buses <clears throat> and it's re- i find it quite hard to um to plan them in you know if, especially if i get two or three at the same time i tried i tried to start this year with them all lined up one after the other but invariably i've had lots of delays on content and approvals and all those kind of things so um they've all now they're all now running at the same time (laughs) so uh yeah and then i've had a couple of others come in so i've got four websites on the go at the moment and uh and then all my other client work that i'm working on so that's quite a a chunk of work to to have on your plate at once does it help you say you're trying to line up all the websites does it help to kind of get into a rhythm with the web work? It really Cause you does. Because do, you do a lot of coding. Well, you know, to an extent, don't you? Yeah, I do I, I do the front-end bits, and then I rely on content management systems to uh, to do the heavy lifting. Um, mm. I'm not yeah, I'm not a developer, but, um, yeah, I tend to... Um, I have a process that I've developed over the last couple of years that sort of designed to help me build it into a working day, um, a working week with other... Uh, work but i do still find it really hard i think if i was just totally dedicated to just doing websites it would be a lot easier because you know you're 
you're always doing the same thing over and over again and it's a bit like putting in kitchens do you know what i mean you 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 prep the place you yeah. uh you know you clear it out and um and then you you put your kitchen in and then you do the finishing touches and then you know your users test it out and you fiddle around with it a bit but with me it's um it's doing lots and lots of other things all at the same time so i might get client requests in for you know oh i need a this file sending here can you redo this print file can you yeah. uh, you know send this to print so it is very disruptive lots of little five minute jobs yeah the five five minute minute jobs are always you know it's five minutes to reply to it and then 15 minutes to do it but i've tried to remedy it by putting my prices up i've tried to remedy it by charging minimum half hour fees um it doesn't seem to make the slightest bit of difference (laughs) and like i tweeted uh uh, tweeted last week was uh yeah i was talking to a client who's also you know become uh i wouldn't say we're bosom buddies but you know we 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 can talk normally to each other and i said you know i'm just so busy all the time and he said well you need to put your prices up and i said yeah okay that's a great idea i'll do it on my year end and he was like obviously not my prices (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and he wasn't being he wasn't being uh, he wasn't no. joking either he uh, he really was being serious um so, <laughs> so uh, yeah i am i'm i'm still working it out i really am it's 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 very much a work in practice at the moment uh, i would like to do more web work i find it easier this would you say you're sort of trying to work it out i think that's one thing when you see designers on social media quite often and on blogs and things you know they give this give this impression of running an incredibly sort of slick ship, you know, with a really finely honed process and everything always running smoothly. But I think really when you get down to it, you know, we're all winging it to some extent, aren't we? Yeah, I think I think you have to. I, don't, I, I genuinely can't think of any way unless you're... Um, working in a you know a very structured freelance way where you're going to work for a client for six months and you're not mm. doing anything else then you know yeah that's fine but then you're not running an agency are you so no. or you're not running a, a studio as it were um, so if you get those jobs then great but what about all of the repeat customers that come back in and ask for things all the time so for example I have about I think about 15 regular customers at the moment or businesses um and i think you need three or four really to to run a proper business but 15 is like at any one point in the month one of them is going to come to me and ask for something um whether it's a small flyer or uh, you know uh, an html email or whatever it is um they're going to come and ask me and i can't plan that into my work it's impossible yeah. so the uh, the thing the other thing that i have to do is start either employing more people which i don't have the resources for at the moment because i work at home and to change to an office um, would cause us all sorts of childcare issues so we're not going to be doing that so the next thing is to get somebody in to help me and that's what um, nick has been helping me with doing a lot of the design stuff um, which is obviously stuff I enjoy, but actually, you know, the nitty gritty account handling is really the important stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, you you do read these stories of these amazing people, and they're either totally one hundred percent, you know, twenty four seven dedicated to that, or they're lying. <laughs> it's I like parents it's, who say their the children latter. never sleep, you know, or always sleep. Oh no, yeah. they slept all the way through from you know birth. It's like oh, that's absolute nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know i'm sure there are people out there who are who are managing to do it um but i think you need an optimum amount of people um possibly i don't know what was the best the best size we were as an agency between f- four and six people something like that you, you know and all being able to do that you know to work on the tools i think well, that really helps well, that's the key for me for an agency where you're small enough so that everyone can be involved in all parts of the process you know as soon as you get bigger than like you say sort of half a dozen people you know people have to get pigeonholed or you know they get good at one thing and that's all they end up doing and that just leads to boredom and we're not in this because it's boring are we <laughs> at least that's that's not the plan i know i certainly don't get bored when i'm busy but um I, d- I definitely do drift off into uh you know procrastination um mm. at times um especially when i'm uh juggling which job to do next um it's normally the person who's shouting the loudest on the telephone to be honest um yeah and no, that's what i've actually written on my notes here is with motivation is dealing with motivation and what well, actually goes through to procrastination doesn't it but how do you keep yourself motivated um throughout the week um and the, my answer is just <laughs> take on as much work as possible and fill the days but yeah. It won't, yeah it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really help you develop as a designer it just pays the bills yeah it's something i like i was saying it's it's been difficult for me to get back into things after quite quite a long break of christmas and it's something i'm really struggling with at the minute is it's kind of you know i've got projects that need to be done and it's that initial step of of plunging into a new project for a new illustration or a new commission that is, you know, it's it's like taking that first step each time at the minute. I think it's because I haven't been that busy for the last few weeks that it, you get out of the habit of working and not just the the kind of day-to-day habit of habit of it, but the, the kind of rhythm of drawing. I've found it, I've always found it much easier to work when I've had uh, like an ongoing project. So when I was doing, a couple of years ago, I did the drawing a robot day. You know, that was, that made me more productive in other areas because I was I was constantly drawing. So you kind of get a feel for it and you're in a rhythm of drawing. And at the minute, because I'm not, I haven't been that busy. I'm not in that rhythm. And I'm finding it a real struggle to kind of, just get my head down and work and I'm finding distractions very easy to come by <clears throat> you know any advice <laughs> from our listeners to avoid uh, procrastination and yeah well I mean I think we've, we've jumped into that. should we talk about that now then because we've obviously I think we should jumped into that I mean there are you know uh, there are things that I I do um that really help me um uh, get on with work um and the first things are pretty obvious um clear your mind of stuff so go for a walk do some exercise is that what i that's what i do um Mm. i walk the dogs in the morning and it just clears me ready for the day um and if i'm really struggling in the day i'll just grab the dogs and go up the woods and walk around the woods for an hour and i find that really really helps me just reset stuff and then the second thing i'll do is i'll clear my desk up and then i'll clear the office up and I'll wipe all of the things off the wall and just get it back to how it was when I first set it up. Normally, there's paper everywhere. You know, I, I work in quite a... I don't work in a minimal kind of designer you see in these photos on uh, on Tumblr or whatever of desks. Mine's like just jumble of wires and 
you know cups and stuff but yeah, yeah just clear everything away um i learned that from a designer i work with called teresa Avirus, who is uh an amazing graphic designer of the old school um her husband's a quite well-known furniture designer as well and um she does she works for joseph um and bamford's and you know some mm. big name clients but um i worked for her for a while and so that was one of the first things she used to do was you know if she was getting really stressed was you know everybody stopped working we're tidying the office up in you know, a studio up and that's what happened um and i find that really really helps just clear your mind um and the other thing is an exercise that you can't think in so swimming is for me great because you can't daydream or think about anything else you just literally swimming for half an hour whatever it is um, and again that really i do that in the middle of the day a couple of times a week and that just clears my mind so those are things that i do to start to sort of you know reset the clocks as it were mm. um and then there's other things that i do that i have done in the past and i haven't at the moment but um because i don't need to but i turn the internet off um you can get apps for your uh browsers that just disable um, either certain websites or just to disable it entirely for certain chunks of time <clears throat> so that will really help because it stops you going online turn off all notifications especially yeah. on your phone i have um, i've taken to um turning my phone off right yeah <laughs> which obviously is a problem if anyone wants to get hold of me <laughs> it's just too easy to to pick up and yeah, it's yeah. it's so easy to get in the habit, isn't it? Again, of mm. um, uh, and I've got mine at the moment is having my email running um, on all devices. So when I get an email in, it's like you know, sort of being hit by a sound effects library. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, turn that off as well. Um, you know, nothing. You know, the world isn't going to end in three hours. You having your yeah. email off. So if you've got something really important, yeah, silence everything, clean the place up, and then you know, start working. Um, but that's that's the difficult thing. Do you have any suggestions beyond that of what you what you do? Well, I've recently started timing myself, so I'll have a timer running on the computer or on my phone if it's not off, and I won't do anything but the very specific task I'm working on for a set amount of time. I won't check emails. I won't look at my phone. I won't kind of do anything but that very specific thing for, say, 10 or 20 minutes. Um, and it's it's quite a good discipline for me because after the first few minutes of kind of almost feeling forced to, to do it, you kind of forget, and that helps you get into that rhythm. Whereas if I, I didn't do that, it's very easy to kind of look up after a couple of minutes doing something and do something else or move something on your desk or, you know, look for a book or... Um, so a timer like that for me is, is quite a help. Um, and the other thing is, um, I've just started using an app called Noisio, uh, which we'll put on the, on the notes for the episode. How do you but spell that? N O I Z dot I O. And it's, uh, it's an ambient noise app, which sounds terrible and it does have whale music on it, but, um, it also has, also has rain and thunderstorms and the noise of a summer, the outdoors. Um, and I found that really helps me concentrate as well. Um, music, if I'm listening to music, it's too easy because the music is on the computer that I'm working at to flip between tracks or to change the music too often. I think, you know, if my music was on a different machine or on a hi-fi downstairs or something, it would be 
it would be kind of easier just to kind of use the music as a background. So um, this little ambient noise app, instead of music, is just it's just quite a nice way to it does help me um, concentrate. It's a nice little um, interface on it as well. It's got little sliders, so you can you can create your own mix essentially of different ambient noises. So you can have rain and a thunderstorm at different levels, or you can have a tropical evening. Ah, right. Yeah, thing. it sounds like um, there's quite a few apps for babies, aren't they? That um, well, I'm not sure, <laughs> but yeah, there are for babies that you that are sound ones that we tried with Kitty, but um, failed miserably. But yeah, yeah they, they play for sort of 15 minutes, um, either white noise or tropical rainforest or rain yeah. and stuff like that. And it's meant to calm them and, and soothe them. I used to just nod off, so... <laughs> I wonder if it would just make me fall asleep at my desk. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to try it. It sounds really interesting. Yeah. I if, tend- you read, if you read dispatches of uh, a young illust- uh, not-so-young illustrator being impaled on a pen while falling asleep at his desk, you'll know to avoid it. What? <laughs> Tell well, me if I fall more. Asleep, if I fall asleep while I'm drawing, that's what will happen. <laughs> while I was listening to ambient noise. Did you? No, oh. but it could. Oh, sorry. I'm being dense, Be aren't I? I think uh, you were uh, quoting to be or not to be. I see. Oh, um, so yes, yeah, so that app works, and the timer works for me. Um, coffee helps me work, but then I can't sleep with coffee. Um, yeah. I don't get drink caffeine anymore. So one one proper coffee in the morning is great, and I get more done. But then I can't sleep. Really? What affects you all the way through the day? Yeah. All right. It's because I don't drink any caffeine at all now. Right. So if I have one, it just really, really screws me up. Yeah, I, I, I have two, two, two coffees in the morning, and then, um, and then that's it. I might have a tea in the afternoon, but yeah, uh, yeah a coffee after lunch is no go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's absolute killer. Um, yeah, I don't find that helps me uh, concentrate though. I don't know, but I like having a coffee here. You know, it's nice. Mm. to have a cup i always have a cup and a glass of water when i come in and that you know i know i'm going to start work then um but yeah I I, most of my sort of procrastination is um is during a you know yeah when i'm actually doing a job and it's really boring <laughs> or i haven't yet figured out what the process is for doing the job and you spend more time figuring out the process for doing the job than you could have done it in the old way which sort of yes. t- which takes me back to the old sort of pallets thing of i was talking about last week or the week before i can't remember when it was where um by the time you set up all the pallets on your computer <laughs> to op- optimize your working space um you could have got you could have made about 300 quid in you know money yeah. and then adobe had update the app and um and, and you go back pallets. to the beginning again um so yeah i i can't remember the last time i had half a day to sit in front of my computer and set up pallets <laughs> i think that is super procrastination and uh, you know or or to do anything like that optimize it i mean i got my mac in my new mac uh last i think sort of march time so i've had it nearly a year and i still i would say i haven't really set it up i literally just plugged it in i've got dropbox uh with all my work on so i just literally plugged in dropbox let it download um got app cloud or whatever it is to start downloading its crappy apps onto my computer and then um and i was ready to go really that was it yeah. and i hadn't really gone back and optimized anything or you know changed the screensaver or anything i've just been working no, on it it's just, a, it's just a workhorse for me yeah, yeah i haven't done an awful lot in terms of changing my machine i've had it 
four years. Although I'd say that I do have a 2001 Space Odyssey screensaver. Of course you do. Which is very nice. Is that so sort of 70 mil? Was it made in 70 mil or something even bigger? Uh, it probably was. It's a ridiculous... It was 70 mil. But it's uh, it's a nice little screensaver. It's got um, all the uh, kind of computer screen readouts and stuff from the <gasps> spaceship. Is there a site for that one? For all those uh, photos? Or you just found it on some? Uh, I found it somewhere. I'll, again, stick a link on the notes for that. Yeah, I don't have any other... I, I tried this thing called Pomodoro. Have you heard of that? Uh, not unless it's a tomato. It is a tomato. There's a, I think it's based on a tomato timer that you can get in the kitchen. Um, and there's okay. some kind of work ethic to it. So you set it for... I'm going to get this completely wrong, but I think it's like uh, 14 minutes or whatever. So, um, so you break down your task into Pomodoros and you then press the timer. And once that timer's up... Um, you can then start your next task. I think maybe it's 15 minutes, something like that. Um, and you can get little apps for your Mac that sit in the toolbar and they'll just start ringing, um, which when we had a baby and we didn't have childcare was really handy because we could set it to like 45 minutes each and we'd do 45 minutes of work, then 45 minutes of baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, yeah, Pomodoro Technique, I think you want to look that up. Okay. Um, it's definitely a work. Uh, a way to work but i tend to yeah i tend to work like you i work to set times i have a um my accounting system's called free agent and yep. uh i've got this app for it called slips which is like a time sheet app so i press start when i start working and then when you finished you just submit it and choose the project that you want it to go to and then at the end of the month my invoicing is ready built because it's got all my timesheets in it. I'll go through okay. adjust them. I put yeah. in like asterisks as if it's like a, you know, something that I might not not want to charge for. or um, And I have a list in there of tasks. So that might include artwork, design, um, stock imagery, uh, you know, you name it. I've mm -hmm. got different prices in there. And it, and it basically runs my invoices. So at the end of the month, it takes me, I don't know, 20 minutes to do my invoicing. So um, really, really cool little app. I think it's That's about five fantastic. quid. Yeah, yeah, I've, I know a lot of people use it. Yeah, you can get other other accounting apps, but I, I do like Free Agent. I got it, I got it actually free with my Barclays bank account when I set it up, okay. um, and I don't think that offers on anymore. But they still, um, they still, I think I get it for fifteen pounds a month. It's, it's yeah. about half price. It's quite expensive. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, de that's definitely a really good one because it makes sure that I focus. You know, if I know I've quoted the client an hour, I've got to do it in less than an hour. So that tends to get me. Yeah. Get me going. All right. Is that procrastination uh, dealt with, do you think? Well, I think, you know, we can edit we could, that out bits. We could, we, could, we could go on, couldn't we? Yeah. So, I mean, actually, that takes taking me on to another thing that I use for procrastination is the thing that I've written down that what I use every day at work, which is um, I've got a dry white wall um, that I have the next month of work drawn on it and i use that to motivate me as well yeah. so um and i use a product called idea paint which i used at soda i yes. think i can't yeah. remember where we did it i can't even I we know. used it was used in the meeting room wasn't it we painted that alcove yeah with it but i'm not sure we ever used it while i was there <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a two-part sort of epoxy type paint from america it's absolutely lethal so when you paint it you want to get a really smooth finish and open the windows for a weekend because it really stinks. And once it goes off on the wall, um, it is a really good dry white board. 
Um, so you can go over shapes and all sorts, you know, corners and cornices yeah. and all sorts of things. Um, but it's blimmin' expensive. It's about £100 for a pack. Um, and there are other products. I think you can get, like, uh, ones on rolls um, that you can stick to the wall. Okay, like a vinyl sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that I really, you know, I just divide it up into literally like i like i'm some kind of catering college or something I, yeah i just divide that up into the days and then as as jobs come in i'll jot them down on there and then i transfer them into my calendar so that keeps me you know organized um and i do them i do duplicate them between the calendar and there because it means that i don't miss anything um, yeah. I, I still do you know it, it, you've got to see that you are human you are going to forget things um but yeah I, I use that with a combination of um Oh, what's this? Um, I've used Microsoft Outlook now on the iPad um, and iPhone as my email because it has scheduling on it. So if you get an email in, you can say, oh, I don't want this now. Can you send it to me in the morning? And it will then email you in the morning. So that, again, is a great reminder. You don't read an email and then completely forget about it. Yeah, that's and then handy. three days later, the client comes back to you and says, yeah, that um, that website you're going to build for me. Have you, have you done it yet? No. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, yeah, that's my, that's probably my my the thing that I use that isn't a piece of technology. Um, but other than that, I'm very minimal and, and analog. I literally use a piece of paper and a pencil um, to do all my planning on. I don't use a computer. I sketch things out um, and uh, and write down lists. And I, you know, and then when I'm ready to work, I'll then tra- start transferring it onto the computer. So, and I don't use particularly posh books um i use we talked about this the other day i use a notebook but that tends to just be for meetings i just use a back of printouts <laughs> yeah i really do i just have a stack of old printouts of uh you know proofs and stuff and scribble on the back of that and then at the end of the day chuck it away um but i find that writing things down really makes things cement in my in my mind or concrete Something, yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big fan of lists as well and i i tend to flip sometimes between notebooks scraps of paper and the computer for lists. Um, I'm all, I always have, when I'm drawing, I always have a, f- uh, a piece of A4 paper folded in half, which I use to rest my hand on while I'm drawing so that I don't smudge ah. the drawing. Yeah. Uh, and that always becomes a piece of paper that's got notes on it, you know, which will be important enough for me to not throw it away and to worry about it until I get transferred onto the computer or put in a sketchbook or typed up or whatever. Um, and the other thing I use a lot are post-it notes, which I use them for sketching on. I think because they're completely throwaway and small, they're really great for me to just doodle very rough sort of thumbnail ideas of layouts and things on. Without you, without get, you feeling like you're committing to the piece of paper, the blank ex- piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. You don't get too precious about it. You know, you can use any pen where it's a, a buyer or a sharpie and it's really just kind of about shapes at that point um and i'll often you know they get stuck on my mac or they get stuck on the desk or they get stuck in my sketchbook and sometimes it can be you know days or weeks later i'll come back to an idea that i've had on a a post-it note and then i'll kind of work on it in a more sort of slightly more thoughtful way yeah that's fascinating because um if you listen to a podcast called make it then tell everybody I haven't. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah Dan Berry is the guy who does it. He's brilliant. You know, he's so committed to it. He's interviewed so many amazing illustrators and uh, comic book artists. And mm. that is one thing that they always come back to is the commitment to a decent piece of paper is really, you know, 
the scary you know you're on the top on the top diving board as it were and so yeah. a lot of them do start on little scraps is that something that you just developed yourself or is it something that you've picked up um, from reading about th- other people's work actually um neither it was out of necessity because i started when i've been working with my kind of design and artworking hat on uh, clients there's always times where you're waiting for things to happen you're waiting for the account manager to get back to you about something or they're waiting for the client to give you feedback or you're waiting for a pdf to rip or waiting for a meeting uh, and i just found post-it notes were a great place for me to doodle while i was doing nothing else um and i've just carried on the habit and also anyone who has seen my drawings will see that i love orange <laughs> <laughs> so i love uh orange spaceships and orange robots and little flashes of orange here and there. And that was because I was drawing things in a biro on a post-it note and I was using the only thing I had to hand to colour them in, which was an orange highlighter. Right. I thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. So now I've got, you know, a box full of expensive orange pens <laughs> instead of a highlighter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the, the post-it note thing has really worked for me. And it is, you know, if you... It's very easy as an illustrator or someone who loves drawing to get lulled into, you know, buying loads of different types of pen and splashing out on different types of sketchbooks. And again, you know, they are methods of procrastination, aren't they? Buying abs- buying all the equipment without actually doing any of the work. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> but then you know, you come to open a, an expensive sketchbook, and it's you know, it's a kind of a stupefying sheet of white paper that you know kind of freezes you up and much better to doodle something on a scrap of paper or post it note first how do you then transfer oh we're talking about illustration now but how do you then transfer that and keep the essence of it that because that's really hard isn't it when you've got that really quick sketch you've got that lovely life to it and then you start painfully drawing it in somewhere how how do you transfer that i think i feel at that nine times out of ten I think I always, nearly always lose that kind of real vibrant essence. If I'm lucky, I keep a bit of it. Um, and I keep, if I keep, can keep enough of it, then the final drawing will be pretty good. But sometimes, you know, like you say, it's just, it's all, it all gets too precise and too thought out. I think I'm learning ways to, to get around that, which involves just kind of attacking an illustration lots of times. So if you, you know, you've done a nice little loose thumbnail on a post-it note and then you blow it up to A4 size and, you know, it becomes kind of precise and you have to kind of think more about proportions because it's bigger and, but then if you, if you work over that again, kind of maybe with a different pen or for me working with a coloured pencil for some reason, feels looser and less precise so that helps me keep uh kind of some of the freeness in it um and but then what you know finally when you come to ink something you know you, you've still got that battle of how do you use a fine pen to to ink an illustration and to keep it feeling spontaneous in some way and it's a, a battle and i'm not great at it but it's, um, I think it's a struggle for a lot of 
illustrators. Um, oh yeah, I don't think there are many that do those amazing drawings from sh- straight off the bat, are there? You know, there's um, Kim Jong Ji. Yeah, that film that you play, <laughs> that is just insane. Yeah, he's um, uh, otherworldly in his uh, talent. I, I but, can't grasp his ability. But I think that people, some people, you know, they iterate, don't they? And you only see the end piece, and that's yes. all they'll show you. Yeah. And there's nothing uh, wrong with that. There's no shame in it, is there? It's, it's, that's just part of the process. No, it's strange because that's something I would always do in design. You know, if you're designing a logo, you know, you'll go through dozens and dozens and dozens of versions, even if they're only slightly different. But I tend not to do that so much when I'm working on an illustration. Um, I think that's a failing on my part to recognise that there needs to be that process in illustration just like there is in design and I think that part of uh, part of my problem there is exactly what you've just said you only see the final results of people's work um, and it's probably one of the problems with social media you know you're exposed to such brilliant work but you're only seeing the end result you're not seeing, seeing the the battle or the journey or all the rubbish <laughs> that they you, you know that they go through to get to that point so um i think like you say that iteration and the process is something i need to to kind of work on more with my illustrations so what is your thing that you use every day is it a post-it note is that what you're i think post-it you're, notes you're, you're venturing out because uh, post-it notes were for verboten in my studio they were not allowed really um, yeah because people used to write notes on them and then put them onto job bags and then um uh, they'd yeah. mysteriously disappear and you know the account manager or the designer would be like yeah but i never saw it um, yeah i guess because i'm working on my own that's yeah not that, that's allowed uh, then I'll, I'll let you i'll let you i'd off. say uh post-it notes definitely my thing and the other thing is, uh, you know, parcel tubes or postage tubes. Yeah. Whenever I get things delivered in tubes, I chop them up afterwards and I use them to keep all my pens in. <laughs> because okay. I've got a lot of pens. And it's the only way I've found that I can kind of keep enough of them around <laughs> and so I can see what, what they are. So that's my. Um, well, so you just stand them on the desk like a like a pen pot. Desk, yeah, handmade oh, that's desk. Really desk cool. tidies. I like that idea. Um, but yeah, it's, I've just got too many pens. You've you got a bandsaw out the back that you're chopping these up and selling them at a market or something. That's a. I could do that, couldn't I? I, I use a trusty Swan Morton scalpel. Oh, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> I've still got all my fingers. Oh dear. I can tell you many accidents I had with scalpels in the past. Yep. Not as a surgeon, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that I mean that's the, that's the things that I use every day. I mean, the other things that I used to use every day, I don't tend to so much now, so like um especially paper samples and pantone books um were things that I used to use all the time and now never. Um I I get very few print jobs because I don't really work in that that area which is a shame because i do mm. like i love doing specking print and stuff but um yeah. yeah i've got i've got still got tons and tons of paper samples but i can't tell you the last time oh probably actually last year sometime um but every time i tend to do that with clients they get the prices in for the print and then just have some kind of meltdown and just go can't we print it digitally <laughs> um or we'll just send out emails 
<laughs> that's my kind of clients. That's where, you know, that's probably, just yeah, I, I, I think if you, if you get, if you're doing that kind of work, then you get that kind of work. And if you're in a busier studio where, you know, the budgets are bigger, then you'll get it. And yeah. I think if you start, if you're doing your own thing, which is something that I'm really keen on doing as well is starting, you know, making my own products, mm. um, then I'll definitely be cracking out the old, the old Pantone books and GF Smith stuff. And, um, but until then, I you know it's definitely gathering dust. Sadly, <laughs> it's always an exciting, an exciting bit of the project though. When they you know when your client does have the budget for that, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, I love specking that out and then talking to paper, you know, paper sample makers and getting it all back again. But it yeah, invariably they they their um their eyes are bigger than their stomach. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's really does cost there's a couple of people near here that i really want to work with there's a pl- place called licorice press in basingstoke yeah. um or as some american tourists once asked me in windsor can you tell me the way to bazinstiki <laughs> that was an american accent by the way that's that's pretty good that's that's <laughs> one i haven't heard <laughs> bazinstiki it's amazing yeah. um uh yeah so um yeah and they they are a sort of they they i think they do everything but they do they've got letterpress stuff and they've got old heidelbergs and you know they've really they're going for the designer niche market rather than mass print if you see yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah. Um, so i'd really like to work with those guys there's, there's some things that i've got that have been in my pipeline for a long long time i've just been so slack <laughs> and that, that's that's what that's what the other thing was um you know if you are if you do have side projects and you're procrastinating about it then one of the things you can do to stop it um, to stop procrastinating about it is start doing it and actually don't make it a side project make it make it a client you know dedicate it you know what, yeah. is it worth the investment are you going to make money from it if the, if the answer is yes then go ahead and do it otherwise you'll never do it um, that's my advice not that I ever take my own advice <laughs> I love dishing it out I'm sure some people are listening because they just want our advice John. oh yeah right no but that's that, that that's definitely a good way of getting it out of your head you know that it's something that you just push in front of you isn't it like a like a snow plow you're just pushing that that job in front of you all the way through and you're never actually yeah. never actually dealing with it so something I definitely need to to get on with um yeah I've got so many of them it's ridiculous well, that's, we'll have to chat about that, won't we, in a future episode? Yeah. Projects that we want to produce. So, talking about the future. Yes. Tell me um, this whole thing about because it was something that we spoke about when we started uh, about creating a podcast um, was that we wanted to not talk about design all the time, um, but also we wanted to talk about things that we both really like, which are sci-fi fiction. Um, and one of them, and one of the things in the sci-fi fiction which I just sort of gloss over and my eyes go funny is talking is the hard sci-fi, the hard science behind it all of time, long distance travel, and what yeah. happens with light speed and all that kind of stuff. And it's I something that you that you you understand. Um, so well, a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, I love hard sci-fi. So hard sci-fi is, I think, defined as uh, science fiction which has uh, a grounding in real science so there are no typically there are no aliens uh there's no faster than light travel um so it's it, i think it, you get an an, uh, an idea of the kind of vastness of space so in alistair reynolds novels you know some of those the the journeys across the stars even at you know speeds approaching light take 
decades and hundreds of years and uh, all the novels of um, Paul McCauley, whose books are, uh, quite a few of his books are set within our solar system in the f- nearish future. So journeys to uh, the outer planets take weeks and weeks and weeks because there's no, you know, there's no warp drive. There's no, nothing like that. Um, so that's hard sci-fi. And I, yeah, I do like that. It's, you know, it's kind of instantly believable and I think it allows you to tell more kind of grounded stories really without getting lost in aliens and kind of crazy tech. Yeah, it's kind of where um, Ian M. Banks, God rest his soul, um, where he sometimes disappeared up his own um, firmament was... Uh, yeah. Would he would just go off on these incredible, um, uh, I don't know, sort of like so, you know, like drum solos, really, weren't they? Of, of, of just ridiculous bending science rules. Um, uh, accession, I could say, is one of those. Books. Yeah, I think his books though were less. In some ways, they were less about his. I think his stories could have been written with any background. They don't all necessarily need a, a science fiction background. You know, they were character and story driven yeah me, even some, some of them cross over don't they they you're not quite sure whether it is is this sci-fi is this just yeah. weird fiction yeah but um i don't think many of his stories re- relied on a piece of technology to make them make sense yeah yeah no you're right but that um talking about the kind of hard sci-fi thing one of the things in our list is um is kind of all the science that's been in the the news lately wasn't it is that, did you want to come on to that? Yeah, no, I want to talk about yeah. I, um, so all this gravitational waves, um, I listened to a podcast that you sent me with Brian Cox, is it? Um, yes. guy who is um, yeah, quite irritating to some people. <laughs> uh, but explaining what r- relativity was, um, I listened to it and still have no idea. Uh, so please fill me in. I'm not going to tell you what relativity is now. I haven't researched that, John. <laughs> no, so, so, what the, so they've discovered these gravitational waves. Um, so what, what are they all about? Well, they were predicted by Einstein um, and I think a couple of other people around the same time as Einstein as well. But um, basically any object massive enough creates ripples in the fabric of space-time. It sounds crazy, but... Um, we've never been able to detect those ripples because although gravity is kind of a huge force, it's actually quite weak. It's only noticeable because, like on Earth, we're tiny compared to the mass of the planet. So over great distances, it can have big effects, but it's it's kind of tricky to measure. So these gravitational waves were predicted by Einstein, and they finally found them at an institute in America, and it's Caltech, is running uh, what's called LIGO, which is a laser interferometry, or a gravitational wave interferometer, which is... Uh, I got one of those in my garage. <laughs> so it's two tubes which are four kilometres long at right angles to each other. And a, a laser beam is sent down these tubes and it's split. So the same beam is split and goes down these tubes that are at right angles to each other. And then it's bounced around a lot of mirrors. So instead of the laser beam travelling four kilometres and then back to the detector, it travels 1,600 kilometres, which makes it much more sensitive, apparently. And gravitational waves, and the ones they've detected are from two colliding massive black holes. 
and I think they're a billion, is it a billion light years away? And as these black holes have, have kind of orbited each other and got closer and closer together, the kind of the masses just pulling them inexorably towards collision, they speed up and the gravitational waves, the frequency of the waves uh, speeds up. And they've detected this. So when the gravitational waves struck their detectors, it's like ripples on a pond, and it, it t- in a, by a tiny amount, it shortens and lengthens the length of these two four-kilometer uh, laser beams by um, the amount that they measured was uh, one ten-thousandth of the diameter of a proton, which seems just incredibly ridiculous. Um, and they had, they've got two of these detectors, one in Washington and one in Louisiana or something, so that they can work out that it's something that's come from space and not something on Earth. So there was a seven millisecond gap between it hitting the one in Washington and hitting the one in Louisiana. So they knew that it was, they travel at the speed of light so they could work out how far away it was or something so, but how did they know how did they know that it was two black holes colliding what were they well apparently it's uh i think I've, has this already happened obviously happened you... 1.3 billion years ago yeah so like last week yeah um so did they get a message or something how that it was going to happen um that i don't know and what, one thing i've not been able to figure out is how with that equipment you work out the direction that a gravitational wave is coming from. I just can't get my head around that. So um, I don't know how they know where it was, but apparently the the kind of signature of uh, the the frequency of the waves and the ripples and everything was was predicted so that they knew that if they found two black holes colliding, this is exactly the type of signature that it would give out. So, and th- that's called a singularity, right? When the when the two black holes collide and create something that's infinitely small but infinitely massive at the same time. Is that right? Or uh, well, I think am, I, a, am I wrong? Uh, well, I think you get a singularity in a black hole is, yeah, that point where, I think, the point where mass becomes infinite, which is weird <laughs> and and that's what the big bang was but so what but why is the big why is this all so important what does it you know it's an, is it going to affect my pension possibly isn't it it depends where your pension's invested John. right um it's uh it's an entirely new way of seeing uh of detecting things it's like we've just discovered light or sound there's an entire an entirely new sense for us to observe the universe so we'll be able to see uh, lumpy neutron stars that are spinning, apparently, and detect their slightly uh, quirky ripples that they give off in space-time. So we'll be able to... Yeah, it's like being able to see in a different colour or something. So it should open up a huge new uh, area of astronomy. And they're building more and more of these uh, gravitational wave interferometers. Uh, around the world so it'll improve the accuracy and the sensitivity so they'll be able to listen out for smaller and smaller 
things. Everything gives off gravitational waves. Um, no matter how small, it's just obviously the smaller they are, the, the smaller the waves. So they need to be absolutely massive for us to detect them? Yes, absolutely massive. And the the, uh, the black holes that collided were the combined mass of them was 62 times the size of our sun. <laughs> so pretty chunky. So what what are they going to... I don't, I don't, what are they going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> See, oh, this is this is the thing in the news that I was very confused about. Is you know when they told when they when they uh, reported it, it didn't sound like they knew, they really understood what on earth they were reporting or what the exciting thing is because that's one thing I learned in that program with Brian Cox is that you get to a certain point where you actually have to know unbelievable amounts of science in order to understand the next step in in what relativity is <laughs> well yeah i th- yeah that's definitely true but i think this is such a big broad area you know it is a new way of observing so if all of us you know if there was no sound and suddenly someone discovered sound or ears then that would be a pretty big thing wouldn't it but you wouldn't necessarily know what you were going to listen to in the future no that's true well, thanks to our science correspondent there. <laughs> next week you can handle... It's all very serious. Next week you can handle uh, gravitational lensing, John. <laughs> See, I, I just don't understand. I, I just, I, I can't comprehend it, you know. It's, I think that's that's my... It's all very big. Yeah. I don't know how you get your head into understanding the size of things. You know, if you think about, um, is it Paul McCauley you're talking about? Mm. Like, I haven't read any of his actually, um, and I know you've recommended him to me. I've read some Dan Simmons. Is it now? Is it Hyperion? Yes, I like that. Yeah, I like Hyperion. Um, and uh, and then the Alistair Reynolds I've read as well, but um, I haven't read Macaulay. But he's trapped within the solar system, right? He's um, kind of. He's certainly trapped within the realms of slower than light travel. So he's got a a trilogy called The Quiet War which is about the kind of colonisation of our solar system. But then in subsequent books, it goes out to another solar system as well. But it takes 10,000, 20,000 years to get there. Um, But I think uh, Alistair Reynolds, I think, deals quite well with uh, the length of time it takes to get anywhere when you're... I can't remember the name of one of his books, but it it, it's like a car chase in spaceships at near light speed, and it... It takes thousands and thousands of years um, to get anywhere. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, is that the one? Yeah, they're not quite sure what's following them. Yeah, um, and there's a sort of a dead spaceship behind them that they go into at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember what that one's called. I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, he's a great, he's a great author. <sighs> Deals with those big distances and things very well, I think. So uh, next week we'll be learning about how to um, hatch ducks from eggs. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll leave that one with and, you. And it's time to start preparing your beds for bulbs and, and new plants. I always feel guilty when you see those things in the paper or on kind of the BBC website or, you know, something flashes up somewhere saying, you know, what to be doing in the garden at this time of year. And I look out at my garden and think, well, anything really I should be doing, anything yeah. all out there. It's terribly neglected. Yeah, ours is ours. Uh, all our fences on one side have blown down with this high winds we've been having mm. recently. 
and I'm refusing to repair them because I've repaired every single other bloody fence in the around the whole garden. So I'm waiting for the neighbours to do it. <laughs> keep, keep us updated with that. I will. Yeah, it'll be uh, live feeds. <laughs> um, things that we're going to sort of regularly talk about, um, and I understand we're sort of running... Uh, over time now a bit i'm afraid oh, yeah. but um we talked about um things that we can talk about every week to stop us going mad but um, one of the things was you're always sending me well you always used to you don't anymore but you, you, <laughs> you don't write you don't call <laughs> i never hear from you i sit here and eat the meals for two <laughs> um they uh no it was, uh, always used to send me links and websites and all sorts of things that you'd found because you are a real mag excellent magpie at finding amazing things in the design it world so it shows i you, spend you way s- too much time on the internet <laughs> so you, you sent me a load of links earlier which i t- confess i haven't looked at yet because i just haven't had time so you have to pick one but you sent me so we're gonna we're gonna have rob's website of the week <laughs> and uh which will be something interesting out on the web um, uh, so what are you going to pick out? I'm going to pick a very uh, quick and easy one, which is uh, a website called glittering.blue. And it is, um, it's the view from a website called the Himawari 8, a Japanese weather satellite. And it's just a looped animation of 24 hours of the Earth. And it's beautiful. It just shows the the Earth... Australia and part of Africa slowly fading into night and then coming back around and it's it's a moving image it's a you know like a looped little video and it's uh it's an astonishingly beautiful thing so glittering dot blue I'm looking at it now it's it's just the sort of um the corona of the edge of the planet yeah if you what I didn't realise when I think when I first looked at it is that it's it's the whole planet. So if you you can scroll up and down and get the whole planet in, yeah. But it's yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. It's That's quite a nice great. thing to have as a screensaver while you're working. That is a love. That is a lovely thing. That is very nice. So the other thing that I sent you was um, I was looking at uh, I was trying to debug something today. So I was on the Coda website and I saw this thing that they'd posted, which is sign.panic.com, which is, again, another full screen website, whether we're going to go back to these webcams where we watch people making cups of tea. But this one, they built a sign and they've um, on their new headquarters, Panica, a software company in Portland, um, Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they... Uh, they have built a sign that has got sort of built-in LED colour changes and you can actually go on this site called sign.panic.com and change the colours. And sadly, they haven't got a live webcam showing the colours changing, which I thought it was. It's great if you're in Portland, They missed a trick there. So you've got to go to their offices, stand outside and then press the buttons, which reminds me of a time when we were going to do that in Soda's window. I don't know, if were you there when we were doing I was, you were were talking about it, yeah. Yeah, we were going to make this sort of Lego windmill that was powered by a Raspberry Pi that you could then tweet and it would then spin round if you tweeted it. <laughs> so rather less. For people who aren't tech savvy, a Raspberry Pi is a type of small computer, not oh, yeah. not a, a pastry. No. If you could get a pastry to do that, then um, you're onto something. Yeah. It could be gravitational waves causing that. Um, but yeah, again, that was one of my brilliant projects that I never even got around to doing, a side project. Um, but I think at that point, the masters had said to me that I had to stop stop putting stupid things in the window. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. So th- those are two really good sites. I like those. Um, and then the other things that we we're t- going to talk about regular, regular features. Um, um, well, have you got the list there? Uh, sure. We were yeah, we, we were considering a book of the month, John. Yes, uh, talking about um, books that we both read, um, and we're not going to be reading out <laughs> parts of the book, but discussing um, concepts in them and ideas uh, that are uh, relevant to whatever we're talking about. So I think we're going to start the first one with is the city and the city. Yeah, that is it is called that, isn't it? It is, um, and you can pronounce his name. Uh, China Mayville. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> Who is a quirky writer, I'd say. Um, Marxist fantasy yeah, guy. Uh, uh, I'll say Marxist because his books are very Marxist. Um, especially this one. Um, very much totalitarian Eastern Bloc yeah. kind of state. Um, but if you haven't read it, then um, I really recommend it. it it's, quite, it's not a long book um, compared to a lot of his. Um, and it's grounded in reality. So it's set just in the i'd say the near future would you yeah it's like a near slightly alternate future isn't it yeah it's not dystopian is it it's just slightly twisted yeah um yeah and i really really enjoyed it and i was searching around trying to find if he'd written any others like it but it doesn't look like he has he sort of returned to his more uh floral i love his books (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah so we can talk about him again next week because he's definitely worth talking about. Um, he's an avid um, role-playing, role-game-playing person, <coughs> apparently. Is he really? Yeah. Um, but an interesting guy. Uh, so, yeah, we definitely will be we'll be looking at that next episode. Should we do that? Yeah, Should we do that? Let's just kick off with that. One. Um, another thing we're going to do is some just regular news from design, um, which we'll be just talking about things that have happened in the design world. Yeah. Um, uh, so that we actually are grounded in design, because at the moment, uh, again, I I don't really follow much design. <laughs> and as I get kind of more into illustration, I'm, I guess I'm seeing less and less of it. So yeah. the chink you hear there is just me pouring a beer. It's oh, terribly unprofessional, isn't it? Oh, that's very good. What are you? What, what are I've you going for? For a black sheep? Which did you go for last week or the week before? No, I had for my birthday. My daughter bought me some beers uh, uh, on Saturday. I had some beers, and but I like I've got one. I like black sheep. You know, from it's up, a really nice beer from up north. <clears throat> it is, and I've poured um, the beer with a proper head on it. Yeah, not like is it from Northumberland? Uh, no, it's from North Yorkshire. North There's, Yorkshire, uh, Massam in North Yorkshire, where Theakston's ah, right. where Theakston's come from. Oh, is it a Theakston's beer then? No, it's called black oh, sheep right. because it's oh. one of the brothers of the Theakston family uh, left. Good fact, and uh, went to set up another brewery in the same village. Oh, yeah, and you know what brewery families are like. Oh yes. Well, I'm having a part. I'm having. I've got one here. Um, a forty niner, which is again a door. It's a Dorset. I don't. Is it Dorset or Hampshire? Um, I think like it's it should Dorset. Be from San Francisco, Ringwood. So that's on the uh, A35, isn't it? Going down to uh, Bournemouth that way. Yeah. Um, uh, nice, nice golden craft ale. It's called. Um, it's quite a strong, actually. It's, I don't normally drink strong beers. I normally drink really weak ones. Yeah, I tend to go for lighter beers, really. Uh, but yeah, it's very nice. And, and the pie this week, Rob. Uh, the pie. Well, I actually bought two pies today, and I had a. I instigated uh, a vote on Twitter as to which pie I should <laughs> review. Did you? I did. I didn't see. It wasn't the best turnout. <laughs> For a <laughs> there were seven votes. Right. Four of them were for the squealer pork pie that I have in front of me. 
Right. Which is again that sounds good. Which is again from my butchers down the road. Okay. Um, but it's a good it's a good pork pie, proper pastry. There is jelly, which is very important. And I'm having it with an apple chutney. Mm. So well, go for it. Well, but you, you, you tell me about your pies. Oh, mine's. An, I'm going. Th- I'm really trawling the depths of piedom. Um, mine's just a, a mini Melton Mowbray Sainsbury's Taste the Difference pork pie <laughs> because that's all I've had time to go and get. But um, the smaller ones tend to be a little bit better um, when they're bought from supermarkets. I will. I will get better at this. <laughs> well, I think you should source some from the internet and get them delivered. Yeah. The, the, the trouble is the delivery is so expensive it's like 10 quid for the delivery <laughs> so you're paying 15 quid for a pie very expensive pork pie well we just get together and uh, we could oh really, that's it we could that's what we could do couldn't we we could get together pre-record yeah. or pie review so how is your pie it's very good yeah the chutney's probably better than the pie though, to be honest which is um, yeah it's delicious I did remember to take a photograph of it as well oh right good I've taken a photograph of mine as well um, so, uh, what are you going to give your pie out of ten? Then is it got is it good peppery good pepperiness in the pork? It's not. Is it it's bit? not bad, and there is just enough jelly, uh, right, for you to be able to taste it. Oh, it's good, and it's really good pastry. So I think I think it gets another good solid seven. Wow, well, mine's um, really small, a very small, a nice amount of jelly. It's a good pie, actually. I'm going to give this one a five. Um, uh, it's quite peppery, but you know what the small ones are like. They're just real snack, snacky things, aren't yeah. they? They're, you're not you're not fully committed to a pie with a tiny little. No, well, I, I haven't pie. had any dinner, so this is my dinner. So I had to go for something a little more substantial than a yeah, a little baby one. I will, um, I will try try harder. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other, one of the other things we've got on our list, isn't it, is uh, what is a pie? But I don't think we should deal with that now because the more I thought about it, the more confused I got. Well, it's a bit like what was in my package. Um, I might never address that. Oh. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think um, yeah, I think I think I think that argument should come when we start introducing some real, you know, out there things that might be pushing the envelope okay. of what a pie is. Um, if a pie can have an envelope, well, if it pushing the pie crust. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I've been a bit flat today because I'm just absolutely. Uh, cream crackered because I was kept awake all night. So I do apologise for my lack of. I will cut this bit out. But <laughs> my lack of uh, my lack of uh, humour. I think I'm just uh, no. absolutely dead. No need. But um, the other thing is um, a show and tell kind of thing as well, which is again once a month we'll present something. Um, but I think again we might I might cut this bit out because we will do the book of the month, which will be yeah um, the same kind of thing, won't it? Yeah, and I guess that. Like in that list of websites I sent you, a lot of those were articles. So and that kind of crosses over with that show and tell thing. Well, I don't think we need to. We've chatted for long enough now. I mean, we've been going for uh, an hour and ten minutes, so I should be able to trim that down to an hour and nine minutes <laughs> with my amazing <laughs> editing skills. No, it'd be as brutal as you need to be. <laughs> I might be a bit brutal this week, but um, I think uh, I think that's us done we've covered everything anything you want to report oh back on the website we've we've got a tumblr now that's doing the show notes i'm not sure how successful that's going to be because like, tumblr seems to just disappear off into the past doesn't it or uh it, it, it does um so, so it's going to be very hard to sort of look at like a sort of a page with all the episodes listed um 
it doesn't have that formal structure does it, it you could do that you could create a menu well no it, uh, i don't know i don't use it <laughs> i don't use it in uh, enough depth to know well i think we'll you continue c- to use it for now and then you know later date we'll, we may transfer to yeah a, a free wordpress site or something and like i that. think i will um i will put a facebook page up as well for anyone who's who's happy with facebook um and you can also get in touch with us on twitter where we are uh, north underscore v underscore south, which is quite snappy, but all you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, We're on there as well. Aren't we, we are. I've yeah, forgotten all about that. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter as well. I very rarely use it apart from to complain about the fact that I've dropped my phone in a puddle. <laughs> so you're Elimondo on Twitter, aren't you? I am. That's, yeah, Elimondo, the family name. I don't know why, but. <laughs> uh, and I'm this northern boy. So if. And why are you called this northern boy? Um, I don't know. A long time ago, a friend of mine who was also from the north we set up a well we didn't really even get around to setting up we had an idea for setting up a company producing uh, t-shirts and it was going to be called these northern boys yeah um and i think we sold one t-shirt and and disbanded and i said do you mind if i keep the name but it's kind of worked you know it's one that's it's It's definitely recognizable memorable enough i think but if anyone's got any feedback, if anyone's got any nice... <laughs> if anyone's still there. If anyone's got any nice feedback, um, feel free to uh, to tweet at us. Yeah, if there's anything you want us to uh, mention or talk about or look at, or um, cri- we'd love to see it. If anyone wants to criticise the volume of our chewing. Yeah, or you want to, um, if you, in the future, you want to come on the show and talk about what you're doing in design, um, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, eventually we'll be maybe going to events, won't we? Yeah. Um, like exhibitions and going and talking about it and we'll take a little recorder with us and record how we're doing. Because I put one up earlier that wasn't really design related, but it's a Sam Peeps one in London um, that I think could be really interesting because yeah. it's about London life. That'd be um, good to get out of uh, our well-equipped studios <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I've sent you the thing across, so have a look yeah. and see if you want any dates and we can meet up there and maybe have a, we do a, a recording while we're there yeah absolutely and um, um, we'll find a pie at the same time well not oh, at the same time there's, there's some good pubs down in greenwich aren't there so yeah. yeah we'll definitely find something decent down there absolutely all right then well enjoy the rest of your beer and the rest of your pie and you too and yours um, sounds larger than mine so mine's not going to last very much <laughs> size longer. isn't everything john <laughs> um but yes it's been uh, it's been good and i'm looking forward to next week already yeah, me too. Um, I will get busy editing now. I have to go and cook my wife some dinner, but then after that, I'm back on it. Christmas. All right, then. Bye.